In this episode, I'll tell the story of a recent bareback and bridalist performance I did with Natia. I'll share how we prepared, how it went, and of course, some super cute stories about my big, beautiful mare. So here we go, episode 168, Queen Natia's Performance. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Those who know me know that these days, I don't get out that much, (laughs) at least not with my horses. I live in this blissful little bubble where I have all the time in the world and very few deadlines with my horses. Uh, When I do go out, it's usually for um, teaching demonstrations or things like that, where I'm doing something and explaining and educating. That's kind of where I like to, to spend a lot of my time. Uh, I don't do any competing and no other just, you know, performances. But when somebody that I really uh, like asks me, I usually say yes. So uh, there recently was uh, an Iberian horse spectacular put on at the World Equestrian Games in Ocala. And it was hosted by um, Hampton Green Farm and also... Uh, the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute. And I'm friends with um, the founders of the Baroque Equestrian Games, Tina Veter and Bruno Gonzalez. And so when Tina called and asked if I would be a part of this, of course, I just said yes. And then I said, what is it? (laughs) And it really is a celebration of the Iberian horse. And she asked me to be a part of it, uh, to be part of the inspiration section Um, Tina's very supportive of what I uh, do and what I teach and how I am with my horses. And I'm admirers of what they've created with the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute. So um, I said yes, and then I asked some questions. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really glad I did. And, And I was in the inspiration section, and I thought, well, how can I, you know, really highlight this and, and she wanted to really highlight the oneness. So I thought, all right, it's going to be Natia because she is Andalusian. And I'm going to do it bridalist. And I'm going to do it bareback and bridalist. So that was my little challenge for myself. And it's just a short presentation. So no teaching, just five minutes to ride to a song. Now, short performances are actually much harder than long ones. If you're doing a longer presentation and it's a teaching um, session, you can do stuff and it doesn't work out. That's great. People love to see when things don't work out because then you can explain and you can improve it and show what you do. Uh, But five minute presentation, I was like, Ooh, (laughs) I haven't done like a performance performance in, in a while, especially when it's not my show that I'm, (laughs) that I'm running. So, and this was also, happening. She told me about it. And then um, fairly soon afterwards, I was going to be away for three weeks, kind of 
right before this. So I had a very condensed preparation and I think which was good because it made me really think about it and made me be very conscious about it because I didn't have a lot of a lot of wiggle room. So I thought I'd share a little bit about my thought process through this and, you know, how it worked out. Um, I know some of you are probably thinking, hey, Karen, can we see a recording of the, (laughs) of it? And the answer is yes. Uh, Video classroom members um, can see I, uh, in the November uh, 2023 videos, I just put up a video where I show Um, the whole performance. I tell a little bit more of this backstory, but then I show the performance and I kind of narrate over the top um, what I was feeling and what moment. So if you're in the video classroom, you can find that there. And it's also, I'll post in the show notes, a link to um, just the performance uh, on YouTube. So there you go. All right. So let's see. I um, I had this because I had this three week block of time off and that I came back from the three weeks, about two weeks, I think it was, yeah, it was two and a half weeks, barely, um, before the competition. So I, this three week block of time, I was like, okay, I need to really think about what I need to do before, you know, those, th- that time away. And then what am I going to do afterwards? So I figured I had to be really, um, prepared before I left. So one of the things that I've noticed about myself is whenever I have to um, show something or demonstrate something, my first instinct is that, oh my gosh, I suddenly have to be even better than I already am right now. So, and I've seen other people, um, this happens to them too, even students coming to a clinic, they're doing their thing, they sign up for a clinic with me. And then as soon as they sign up, they start like over practicing thinking, well, now I have to be better than what I am. And, I th- and I think the main lesson here is, you know, for me anyway, is I told myself, I'm fine just the way I am, I don't have to be better, I just have to organize what I already can do. It's gonna be hard enough to put it all together, but I don't need to try to suddenly advance my training to some other imaginary spectacular level. So um, I just know that about myself. So I got a handle on that and told myself, all right, it's bareback and bridleless. So really, if I just trot and canter around looking, you know, in a, in a lovely posture with a lot of harmony, that's already going to be a lot. So that was my sort of baseline of going, let's just make sure that I can have the balance and the posture that I want, that it's very reliable. Um, and that I'm, I'm also understanding my warm up, like just getting into performance mode, like how long do I have to warm up before I can do X, Y, and Z. And I just wanted to have that as my base. So that was my first kind of criteria is just first calm down, Karen. (laughs) That was the first instructions to myself. And then, all right, get the base so that if all you do is trot and canter around looking lovely and bending in nice posture and rhythmic and balanced, that's good. But then also, you know, pick some movements. What are the crowd pleasers? All right, some pirouettes, some piaf, some passage. Can't go wrong with that. Um, yeah, so 
those were the things in in my mind. So I made sure that I just kind of tweaked those, started paying more attention to how long it took me to warm up to be in a state where I could do that and feel like it was right there. I was going to say at my fingertips, but it's really at my butt cheeks. <laughs> and yeah, left her having, um, those of you who have my journal know that like one of the kind of training days you can have is what I call best days. So I planned my time up to the three week break so that I would have um, a couple best days in a row. And then boom, I leave for three weeks. <laughs> the release teaches, right? So this is an opportunity to really use that as a training device. So, you know, hone it, practice it, know what I need to need from her, see if I can have it when I need it, and then um, be successful and then take a break. So I was successful in that part. So I was super excited about that. And while I was away, uh, this is the, it's summer, it's hot. So I didn't need her to do too much, but I had Becky, my assistant, um, do golf cart exercise. So she ponies um, Natia off the golf cart and I have a big 10 acre field that has a gentle slope to it. And I was like, just go out there for 10, 15 minutes a day and make sure she gets some good trots in up and down the hill. So her, um, it was a little bit for her sugar levels too. Uh, and to burn some calories. But that way I knew she was going to have some level of being legged up and some level of aerobic fitness still there uh, when I came back. So that's what I did. Um, then I came back from the trip and now I had, all right, I, I knew the training was there, but I had two you know, two and a half weeks to get ready. And there was a lot of little details in this. So I really thought, okay, during this next two and a half weeks, um, what are the things I'm going to do? I don't have to train anything new. I just need to have it. So number one goal, keep my horse happy. Natia needed to be a happy girl. And so for Natia, she's happy when she gets um, some variety and she gets to go exploring. So I made sure during these weeks that we got plenty of that in, that I didn't just start hyper-focusing and running through the routine, the routine, the routine. I thought about what are the pieces I need? Like what are the communications that I need to have at a high level for her um, ready to back up anytime, anywhere? And also to be able to lengthen, shorten, like for her to stay in balance when she lengthens and shortens, um, that if, you know, if I have that, I've got everything <laughs> sort of idea. So once I know those elements and those particular qualities, then that's easy to, um, to keep in the front of my mind and practice in different locations, do a lot at the walk. It's like the essence of the communication. I don't have to always practice it at the gate that I'm, that I'm needing it at. I just want to keep it in the front of my mind. And the other thing that I purposely did is to start varying the timing of my sessions, the patterns that I do in the sessions and kind of varying her patterns in general. So like I said in the, in the beginning, um, in the intro, I have a very, luxurious life here with the horses. And I tend to go out in the mornings. Natia gets 
you know, they all get ridden somewhere in early to mid to late morning. And, you know, we have a bit of routine, even as much variety as I try to give them, it's still, it's pretty regular. So I knew that for the performance, things were going to be off timing. I might be on for a while and then something might get delayed. I might have to get off and then start and stop again. She's going to be performing at night. There's going to be just a lot of changes. So on purpose, I started varying her normal patterns and in small ways and in, in bigger ways, going out in the afternoons and playing with her sometimes doing longer sessions, sometimes doing a whole session, walking back to the barn and then going, Oh, let's go out again. (laughs) Never mind. Let's start up again. And just kind of giving her a little hint that things might not be the same. And then I can get a read on her. How is she handling those changes? So you can, you can improve things and challenge things without them always just becoming harder. Sometimes just taking the things you're doing and just just varying it, just making these little, little changes in the patterns will bring things out. And you'll either find out your horse is like right there for you, or if they have a little (laughs) hissy fit, because that's not their normal schedule. Well, you're going to want to find that out. And you're going to want to find that out ahead of time, and then have a playful, calm way of getting them okay with that change in pattern. Another thing I thought of, um, that we needed to do was to be able to ride, ride through the mess a little bit more. And I know this is going to, this might sound a little weird, but, um, you know, in, in luxurious, uh, training without deadlines, you can always, uh, change today to make tomorrow better. And that's often how I train. It's like, okay, we don't need it now, but let's do something. So tomorrow it's better. But when you're doing a performance, there is an element of, mm, but I, I kind of would like it to happen now. <laughs> and what if it's not happening? How can I get through this moment as gracefully as possible? And that is an art that it, it takes some practice to be able to do that artfully. It's easy to just go, oh, let's stop or let's do it at a different gate or let's break it down. That's often the wise choice. But for performance, there's a, an element of getting through some messy days. I read a, a sports psychology um, book, and he talked about um, learning to play badly well, right? So to learn to play badly well, it doesn't mean you push and force. It just means it's like, how can we smile and make the best of it and come out the other side? If we haven't practiced that, it can be very unnerving if you're like, oh, I just want to walk and regroup and, you know, address it tomorrow. Well, maybe we can go through it. And, you know, there's been many times back when I was competing where I'd be warming up and it was just going terribly. (laughs) Like, oh, this is a mess. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this, this show? You know, the comp, how am I going to get through the test? And then my time would come, the bell would ring, I'd go in there and I just like, all right, well, I'm just going to smile and ride gracefully through this. And then the horse would get better and better and better during the test. <laughs> so it doesn't, by saying I'm going to ride through the mess, doesn't mean it's a compromise. Sometimes that's what you need to do. You just need to smile and ride gracefully through it. And you might be surprised that it actually becomes a positive training moment. But 
I tend to deconstruct or take a step back or something like that. So I had to consciously tell myself, practice riding through the mess <laughs> and in whatever that meant. All right. And then the other thing, of course, I'm telling myself is even though I had to get familiar with the music and figure out the timing and kind of have a loose plan about what I, you know, how much time I have for different things, I, I had in all capital letters, don't drill. So um, just, you know, I didn't have to have it super choreographed. I just needed to kind of be familiar with the song. So a lot of my preparation was just listening to the song over and over and over and over again, so that even if I was distracted, I would know exactly where I was in the song and have a sense of how much time is left. And then of course, um, mindset. So being very, very clear on my mindset, uh, number one, be there for her. Top of the list. That was my main goal. If I walked away with nothing, I, no matter what happened, I wanted to feel in any moment that I could say I was there for her. I was there for her and I was there for her. I was in the moment with her and I was making decisions um, for her as much as possible. Uh, and to plan and to plan and prepare, right? So to think about enough things ahead of time that I'm not feeling rushed, really important. Even things from like, you know, looking at the aerial map of the thing, where's the show office? Where am I going to park? How am I going to coordinate that? You know, am I going to stop at the show office first, then go park? And, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, it's, it seems very, you know, like little stupid little points, but that can, you know, this place is huge. And not thinking of that ahead of time could add like a mile of walking. <laughs> because, you know, if you park and like, oh, shoot, now that I'm over here, I can't drive, I got to walk and come back. And then who's going to be with her when this is happening? Is she standing on the trailer? So a lot of logistical planning and preparing, talking to people who had been there, asking people the questions I needed to ask. I asked a lot of questions probably drove some people crazy, but like, I really, really wanted to have a full picture. I would, I went there myself the day before just to get my eyes on the stall. I wanted to see where the stall was. So I'm not driving around with the trailer. So a lot of planning and preparation. And then, um, then a lot of visual visualization. Visualization is such a powerful tool it's a really good thing to be able to practice. There's two ways to visualize. You can either visualize yourself as if you're watching yourself in the movie or the video. And then there's visualizing where it's you're in the perspective of what it will look like through your eyes as you're doing it. Um, often I'll flip back and forth, but my goal is always to be able to visualize it through the eyes that I will be having when I'm actually doing it. And I was able to visualize it well enough that I could actually feel my nervous system getting a little like getting the butterflies. And so I on purpose would practice visualizing it so that I would feel that the butterflies so that I could then practice um, breathing through them, getting used to them, not letting it distract me, not letting it stress me out. 
God, you'd think I was going to the Olympics or something with the amount of preparation I'm doing for this. So, you know, of course, I'm taking this story and I'm trying to make teaching points from it. But I mean, really, it's like, no matter how big or how small, it's a great reason to practice this kind of stuff, right? It's why not if we're going to do it, let's play a little game of how can I be as prepared as possible. It's been a while since I went out and did a five minute test (laughs) or preparation or performance, I mean. The other thing that was really lucky um, was I was, they opened up um, open schooling days in the exact arena that I was going to be in. Um, So she hadn't, she's never been in like a big closed arena with bleachers and stuff. So I brought her, I was able to bring her over the week before. And Natia is really interesting because in general, if she's a bit worried, she doesn't prance around and get, you know, get antsy and anxious that way. She just kind of freezes up and zones out a bit. And she probably doesn't even look at, she just looks super dull and the aids just aren't really going through. So when I went there, um, and for that schooling day, it was, that's what it was like. I got on her and she like could barely move. She, I was like, come on, let's go. I mean, I'm, I think she looked lovely, but you know, the feeling of, I felt like I had four flat tires. So I just moved her around a little bit and then I got off, let her hang out, got back on her in a little bit, moved around a little bit more. Now the back end was going, but the shoulders were still kind of locked up. So she was kind of pushing through the forehand and leaning. I was like, let's just stretch and try to get a snort. Got that got off of her, let her hang out a little bit more. And then she started being cute and doing her little smiley face thing and little foot tricks here, picking up her feet for cookies. So I was like, oh, there she is. Got back on. And then she was awesome. She was just on it, energetic, loose, happy. So super, super um, happy with how she was. And, you know, she doesn't really spook at stuff. It was just more of a let her be in that space. And it gave me a chance to anticipate what she might feel like um, and and give me strategies for a warm-up if she's a little bit stressed. None of that worked because she was completely different the day of the performance. But hey, I tried. Um, We arrived the day before. We had a kind of like a run-through in the late afternoon. So I got there midday, got her settled in. We actually went through the, I rode her in the um, run through. She was great. She was a little overwhelmed by how many horses were there. We were riding in an arena with like 13 or 14 other horses. Uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big space. But she was definitely uh, not super thrilled with all of that, but being really good. And actually on that day, when I went in and did my run through in the performance arena, she actually was like, yay, I'm all by myself again. And she really lightened up and felt, um, felt pretty, pretty nice. She actually felt happier in the performance arena. So I was feeling just fine and feeling very happy with how she was showing up. She actually didn't want to leave the arena. She kind of fell asleep in in there afterwards. I'm like, all right, this is good. Um, so then the day of the performance came got there early. And my goal for that day was just keep her happy and keep her loose. Uh, So we went for some hand walks. um, And then I managed to be able to, uh, Sandra Bellow was there. 
some of you have seen her performances. Um, she was there with her cute little horse, and uh, so we ended up going on like an hour trail ride around the World Equestrian Center. And that was super fun. Uh, Natia's like Dora the Explorer, so she that's one of the things that makes her happy, so that's what we did. And then I, I just spent the whole day just hanging out at the barn. I just put a chair in front of her stall, and it kind of reminded me of my own my old pony club days where we would just go and hang out with our horses um, all day. Uh, so I actually, I really enjoyed that. It's like getting to spend that many hours with just one of my horses was, it felt like a real treat for me as we watched everybody else kind of come and go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then let's see, we got closer and closer to the, um, to the performance and it was really interesting like a couple hours before it was all supposed to start you could just feel the energy in the barn change horses were starting to whinny people were starting to get you know everybody's nervous systems were getting really heightened and she started like picking her head up and snorting I'm like what's wrong with everybody <laughs> so again my reminder just to be there for my horse, just be there for her, keep her calm. I wanted to be her rock. So we got ready and, you know, trying to figure out the timing and decided, you know, I better get down there a little earlier than, than what I thought I wanted to, but I knew it was going to be crowded down there in the back warm up section. Uh, but I went down there, just let her down there in the halter didn't take long to tack her up, <laughs> bareback and brideless. So I just walked her down the halter and she walked down and she, oh, she's like spooking at stuff now. I'm like, oh boy, that's different. And uh, she took one look at the warm up arena and she's like, okay, I've seen enough. Let's go. And she turned around and wanted to walk back down the, the aisle. So I walked her back down the aisle and then to let her go away from it. And I was like, okay you don't have to stay, but could we go back? And she's like, okay, we'll go back. So I walked back again and her eyes got really big and she just sort of stood there staring at it. Like, what is wrong with all you people? <laughs> What's going on? The music is blasting. You could hear the crowd cheering. We weren't sure how many people were going to show up. We had the, they had the um, area arranged to have like 500, 600 people watching, but the, the whole building was packed and standing room only. So it was like over 1200 people. <laughs> oh, so that was cool. Uh, so anyway, she really didn't want to be there, but she stayed there and, you know, soaked it in. And the, like I said, the warm ring was crowded, but at some point I thought, all right, I'm going to have to go in there. Even though one of the acts before me was the quadrille and these, everybody's wearing these big fluffy dresses and there was not a lot of room, so but I just I, I gotta get on. So I got on with the bitless bridle, just to you know for a little safety precaution, and just let her walk around in as big a space as I could. And um, yeah, it was pretty intense. She was you could feel the like energy of the music just kind of setting her back. And then I thought, well, I'm gonna have to do this, so I just took the bridle off. And I think there's like six, there's the quadrille and then one person warming up with the garocha pole. <laughs> and then somebody had dropped an earring. So there were like four people walking around, looking at the ground, not where they were going. 
And then I think there was one other horse in there. And I'm I'm supposed to, you know, warm up bareback and bridleless on a horse that's a bit stressed. Anyway, so I take the bridle off and I hand it to my assistant, Becky. And then Natia's like, okay, good, I'll be going now. And she just like made a little duck for the door. And I thought, oh boy, you know, she's telling me she's not okay. And she really would prefer to not be there. So that's one of those moments of what are we going to do? You know, I want to be there for her, but I need to ride through the mess as gracefully as I can. So I just reset my intention as like, I'm just here for you. So I was like, come on, my friend, we've got this. You can't leave. That's not an option, but stick with me. I know, I know you'll, you know, you'll be okay. Right. You'll be okay. (sighs) So that's what I did. And I just started riding to the open spaces, right? It's so easy when you're in a situation like that to look at, there's that person and that person and that person and that person you're trying to avoid, avoid, avoid. So instead, I always think of look for the open spaces and look for where there's going to be an open space. I learned that skill from riding in a very crowded training facility and from competition warm-up arenas. And that way I'm protecting her. I'm saying, don't worry, Natia, I'll keep you away from everybody. And honestly, I did a lot of standing still. So I'd move a little bit. And then I'd stand still and just let her soak it in and just rub on her. And then I'd pick her up. I was like, okay, can we do some circles? Great. And let her stand still and rub on her. I mean, that's not a moment for training. It's not a moment to test that I can get this or that. I just wanted to make, I knew if she was okay and she was not feeling against me, then I, I'd be able to do what I know how to do. But if I started fighting her, you know, there's no fighting in a in when you're bareback and bitless. That's just that's not an option. <laughs> so I just let her be there and be there and let her know that there was no pressure coming from me. And she was so cool because she was this here's an adjective I don't think I've ever used with Natia before, but she was electric. Electric for Natia. But still it's that different feeling under my seat and where she's, she actually started overachieving. So I'd pick up a canter and she's like trying to do a canter pirouette. (laughs) So lovely problem. Uh, so again, it was a, it was a moment where I could reassure her, like you're doing enough. You don't have to do more. This is fine. So our wires were getting a little bit crossed at times, but it was, I could sense that they were getting crossed because she was like, I'm going to just do something fabulous because then maybe it'll be over with. Cause if I'm really fabulous, then I'm done. That's what my mom has always taught me. <laughs> the more fabulous I am, the sooner I'm done. So yeah. So I just let her, I mean, and plus I was like, woohoo, this feels really good. And, uh, yeah, she was hanging in there and then I could feel my own little butterflies coming up as it's like, Oh, is it my time yet? When do I go? Here it comes. So just able to visualize and breathe through that and keep her safe as the quadrille was practicing their thing and I was getting in their way and (laughs) they were in mine, but everybody, you know, it was actually, it was great. Everybody there was such a professional. Um, It was an easy group to be around. Um, It just was, you know, what it was was what it was. It was hard hard to navigate. 
Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always (laughs) the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one-week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So then it was my time to go in and I just you know, was able to do some trot circles before we went and reminded myself that we're bareback and bridleless. She's lovely. And that's all she needs to be is lovely and feeling like she can trust me. And so when we come from there's, I didn't tell you, there's like these big curtains. So when we're in the warming warm up areas, we're right on the other side of the performance ring, but there's these big curtains. So, um, we couldn't see into the performance ring and the performance, audience couldn't see into the warm-up ring. So we go through this little hole in the, this little channel in the curtains. And so she trots in and I mean, you can't really even see it on the video. When I watch the video, her face just looks so calm. It doesn't, but I could just feel it. (laughs) She was just like, really? We're going in here? And I could just feel a little variation of the line of direction of she's like, "Mm, I'm not really sure I want to go exactly there. Um, but she felt really, really good. So yeah. So we rode around and did our thing and, um, most things worked out pretty well. I felt like I was maybe a little bit, uh, my energy was still just a little bit of ahead of her, but I was trying to like, think about what to do while I was doing it because, the space was just a little different than I had practiced most of the time. And I was sort of making different decisions because I had a very different feeling horse. Um, but the, so the first time my, my plan was to trot in, come around, do a halt, do a backup. And then from there do a pee off. And so she felt really good. I trotted around, did a halt, did a really nice backup, asked for a pee off. And like, I had nothing. <laughs> she was just like, I can't do it. And so she took a couple little steps and then she did, um, she did a school halt and school halt for her is what she does when she wants to like really make mom happy. Um, it's often like a, an end point. She's like, well, if I do this, then, then she'll be really happy and it'll be done. So I was like, oh no, she really doesn't want to be in here. It was, it felt a little bit like, can we be done now? Uh, so I had to just go, okay, thanks Natia. So I abandoned the pee off and just said, okay, let's just go and canter. And I forget what I did next. Uh, but she, (laughs) so this, here's the cute part. This is the cute, really cute story. 
With Natia, I, well, with all my horses, I use my voice a lot. So I do a lot of things of like when they feel good, but I want them to keep going. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Good girl. It sounds something like that. And I have like a terminal bridge, which is like, good, you know, and that means they're going to get a cookie. But I also just have, you know, I'm not always using that precise, good kind of marker. Sometimes just going, yeah, awesome, you know, and it's kind of like, it's a game over more thing. It's not like a verbal bridge cue. It's more of just like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, you're a rock star. And then maybe she'll get cookies, maybe she won't, but it's sort of the tone of voice that I use when it's my game over kind of idea of like, that was so fabulous, you're done. And so we're doing, we're doing a canter pirouette and the audience was very vocal, but it was mostly quiet when I was going. I think, I think probably people were afraid to make too much noise because they're like, oh my gosh, she's bridalist and bareback. Um, but a few people are like, yes, like, or yay, or, you know, like they made some sort of sound like that during the canter pirouette and Natia heard it and she stopped. <laughs> It was so cute. So the unfortunate thing was when she stopped, she was facing exactly away from the audience. So she stopped with her big, magnificent butt facing the crowd. But it it felt so cute because she was like, see, I did it. I did it. They said it was good and stopped. And so I had to stop and give her a cookie (laughs) in the middle of our performance. And then we got going and we did some other stuff and she did some really nice passage and another kind of schooling pirouette thing. And, and then at some point I'm like, all right, I'm going to try the pee off again. So, um, I had turned and stopped and gave it a try and she was, she was on it. So she was pee offing. She kind of did a little quarter turn while she was pee offing, which was her idea. It was cause she was nervous. And I think moving away from something, uh, but you know, turns at the pee off are cool. So I didn't, I didn't say no to that. I was like, okay, you can turn in your pee off if you want. And then again, someone in the, some people in the audience were like, yes, and uh, or yay, or awesome. Or, you know, they said something, and she stopped and did a school halt again. <laughs> so I just kept thinking, gosh, for a horse who's nervous, really kind of would prefer not to be in that you know, with that blaring music and cheering crowd and all that energy, she was a little like, Ma, what the heck are we doing in here? Why are we here? Who was doing so much for me and for her to to be thinking in a way that she's like, oh, they said I was good. So I get to stop and get a cookie. I thought was amazing. I thought was amazing. So every time that happened, I mean, she's, you know, she just stops. It was over with no sense punishing it or trying to pretend it didn't happen. So I just, you know, what do you do? You laugh, you laugh and you go on with your life. So anyway, that, it, that actually to me was kind of the highlight because I thought how freaking cute is that? And yeah, that she was that sort of aware and relating it to what she was doing. And it actually became like a connection point because she's like, mom, give, give me a cookie. They said it was good. Anyway, so we went along and did some more and, you know, in five minutes, it was over so quickly. And at the, there was a whole bunch of the audience who 
was not in front of the arena and really actually had a quite terrible view of the whole thing. So when I was done, instead of going out behind the curtains again, I just kind of cut out of the arena and did a big trot down to the far end of the arena to say hi to the other um, other bunch of people there, which they were really appreciative of. And And by that time, when I'm like done and I'm doing this great big trot across the arena, I was like, oh, now I'm ready. <laughs> Like, now we're ready. So anyway, it was a nice feeling to end feeling like we got more relaxed as we went. She was more with me. The more forward I went, actually, the happier she got. And uh, and then we were done. Yeah, trotted on back. And uh, I had got lots of cookies. And yeah, I pretty much you know, let her hang there for a second and then just really got out of the way and went back to the bar and we packed up and drove home late that night after I watched, you know, to see the very end of the, I didn't get to see anybody else's except the last, like very, the last two acts. I was glad I saw that. Yeah. And so the, you know, feeling like the very proud, very proud mama, I was proud of her, I was proud of myself. I mean, I know she's fabulous and I know I'm, if anyone's going to mess it up, it's going to be me. So I feel like I, number one, did not mess things up. And I feel like I met my goal. I was there for her. And at the end of the day, she was pretty chill. And when we got home, she, I, I swear she's like just glowing around the other horses. I think she has a little newfound confidence. So, um, we, she, we didn't leave her in a stressed moment. We left her. I think she, she was brave is what she was. She was brave because she was nervous. But like I said, there's no controlling and no fighting when you're bareback and bridleless. So what we got was in partnership. And when I look at the video, and I see how good her ears were and her body. She was, she was relaxed. We had some wires crossing, but, um, I think in the end she's got a, I imagine, I dream she's, she's telling a pretty good story about the whole thing. And here's the other piece that, um, I know I have to be conscious about, and maybe this will help others is to not neglect planning for the post event when there's such a big energy um, investment to do th- things like this, whether you're going to a show or going to a clinic or anything where you're out there showing up for your horse, it's a big investment of energy and yeah, energy, mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy. So you've got to be ready for the valley that when you do a, a big anything, event, there's going to be an energy valley on the other side. And things that can happen in those energy valleys are you get a chance to watch the video, right? So you're not just going off the feeling, but you're getting to watch the video. You're having to do things like unpack and clean up. You're getting a chance to think and assess and, you know, get to the, the, nittier, grittier details of, of whatever it was that you did. You're looking at your judge's marks, you're reading your test again, whatever it is. And you want to be really, really 
careful and gentle with yourself that you're not doing that kind of thinking during the energy valley, right? Because it's really easy to be hard on yourself. So I had a post event strategy. I mean, this is what I do for other things, for events that I run in my business or clinics or, you know, anything where I'm showing up and doing my thing. And the post event strategy is number one, bask in your glory, no matter what. So just allow yourself to bask in the glory of you showing up and doing your thing. However it turned out, chances are, if you're thinking about things, you survived. (laughs) So give yourself some time to just bask in the glory. You did the thing. You showed up. You put it on the calendar. You arrived. You did your best. No matter what, there's no qualifiers there. Well, I can't bask in my glory because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. No, bask in your glory no matter what. And then number two, later... After you go through the energy valley and come back up again, then I allow myself to think about what could I do better, differently. You know, what could I what what could I do better or differently without being too overly hard on myself? So you look at the video, you look at it, you think, all right, if I was going to do that again next week. What would I do differently? How could I prepare better? What would be a new, what would be the strategy? What do I have to practice? Because it's easy to find things to criticize and critique always. And a healthy amount of self-assessment is absolutely necessary for progress. The key is to not let that overwhelm the main essence of the experience. For me, the goal was to be there in the moment for my horse, to be her rock during this very exciting moment, instead of becoming another source of stress for her. It wasn't me against her. I mean, bareback and bridalists, there's simply no room for a fight. Instead, it's you and me against the world, my friend. And all the rest, it's just practice. If this episode resonates with you, Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.